Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hey, I'm Chuck Lawless. And I'm Caleb Iverson. And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Today, we're talking to two of my friends, Dr. Scott Pace and Pete Rochelle. Dr. Pace is the provost here at Southeastern Seminary. You've been in that role not very long. How long, Dr. Pace? Gosh, since, uh, yeah, the spring, so several months. We'll All say right. Six. All right. We're glad you're there as well. <laughs> Pete Rochelle serves as the Timothy Scholars Coordinator, and that's really what we want to talk about today is the Timothy Scholars Program, a, a unique academic practical training program to train young men who feel called to the pastorate. And pastors, we want you to know about this, one, because we want you to pray for us, and two, we want you to think about sending your young men to come train with us here at Southeastern Seminary. So let me start with Dr. Pace. Just very quickly, tell us about about yourself, about your ministry. Introduce our listeners to you. Yeah, so um, I'm a North Carolinian, was born uh, uh, at the coast, um, but uh, with an accounting degree and after working for a couple years in the business sector, God called me to ministry, and so that was back in 99, so almost 25 years ago now. I've been in vocational ministry full-time in a variety of pastoral roles from Florida to Oklahoma, uh, now here in North Carolina, and teaching in that capacity. Uh, my my um, area of discipline here at the seminary and teaching is preaching and pastoral ministry, um, but then also in practice. Uh, I'm doing an interim right now here mm. in our state about an hour away of a church that's in transition, so still uh, actively kind of serving in those roles, too. Yes, you still have your feet in that real world. Oh, yeah. You got that's to. Good. That's good. That's good. To. I agree. I agree. Pete, tell us about yourself, about your family, about your ministry. Sure. Yeah, I'm Pete Rochelle, and I am a native of Raleigh, North Carolina, born and raised right here in this area. My wife as well. Uh, I'm a local pastor uh, of a church in Raleigh that we planted about 25 years ago. So I've been pastoring uh, that church for 25 years now. And uh, it's just been a blessing just to be um, able to serve the Lord in, in that way. I am a student here at Southeastern, as well as being the coordinator of the Timothy Scholars Program. And so I'm a Ph.D. student here pursuing further you know, academic uh, education. Pete, this wasn't one of the questions we'd thought about, but tell us, how have you made it 25 years in the same place? By the grace of God. <laughs> By the grace of God. And, uh, yeah, we just, uh, man, we, we have a precious uh, congregation. They love one another. They love the, the Lord. They love God's Word. And, uh, it, you know, like any pastor, we've had some challenges and, and some difficulties, but God's grace has just been truly amazing and all-sufficient, yeah, to keep us there and give us what we need to serve him there faithfully. If, if there were one thing you would say to pastors, here's what you need to think about if you want to endure long and enjoy your work in the same place, what would you say? Yeah, I think I would say uh, keep your eyes on Christ. That's yeah, um, Hebrews 12, uh, 2 talks about fixing our focus on Christ who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scoring its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And I think that verse has just been an encouragement to me over the years that Christ went through more than I will ever go through. And he, do it, he did it because of the joy that was set before him. And so as we 
keep our eyes on Christ. He will give us grace and strength to stay right where he's called us for the long haul. It's a good word. Thank, thank you for letting me chase that rabbit just a little bit yeah, for our thank listeners. You. Dr. Pace, tell us about the Timothy Scholars Program. You oversaw this program for a little bit. Uh, tell us what we're talking about here. Yeah, and in some ways, and I haven't thought of it like this before today, um, the Timothy Scholars, Scholars Program embodies who we are as an institution. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is if you look at our, our faculty across the board, what you see are those who have um, the highest levels of education in terms of credentials um, plus ministry experience. And so that's what really equates to expertise, right? It's kind of a both and education and experience. And that's the goal of this program is to provide the highest form of education for pastoral ministry, specifically designed for that, combined with experience, the practical experience within the church. And so the, the, uh, in short, the Timothy Scholars Program is a five-year dual-degree program. It's, it combines a, a BA, a Bachelor of Arts in Pastoral Ministry, along with an MDiv. Uh, and so a Master's of Divinity, individually, those two degrees would, would take uh, between seven and eight years for any individual to accomplish. But because of the, the similar content, we're able to kind of uh, stack those together and merge those into a five-year condensed program. It's a little bit accelerated uh, in, in the way it's done in terms of the number of hours students would take in a semester. And at the same time, it's just more strategic, how to leverage the master's degree and the bachelor's degree together and consolidate that and remove um, kind of redundancy and provide overlap that kind of does that. And so uh, it's a five-year BA MDiv program that trains young men uh, for pastor, pastoral ministry, and it does it in an immersive way. There's some co-curricular elements, I mean, to be outside the classroom uh, that we provide that gives them exposure to various leaders and pastors in uh, local churches and our denominations and, and various things um, that kind of helps them learn uh, beyond just the typical textbook learning. And then also the fifth year is designed to be a residential internship to where they're doing an internship at a local church and not just graduating with theoretical classroom knowledge, but firsthand practical experience being uh, mentored. And I would even say to our listeners, um, as pastors who are raising up maybe young men to, to go into ministry, this is a program that you can kind of funnel them towards. But also, if you're a church that's looking to kind of create pathways to train, disciple, equip uh, interns um, in, in your church, our, our Timothy scholars are oftentimes looking for churches to, to where they can do that fifth-year residential internship at. And so that may be an opportunity that uh, the listeners are interested in as well. So j- just to be clear again, in five years, a student can earn a BA and an MDiv. Yep. Can you believe that? Oh, my gosh. Who wouldn't have wanted to know that or do that uh, if it had been a possibility uh, so many years ago? Yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't say this since you're my boss now, but uh, <laughs> I took six years to do my BS and eight years to do my MDiv. So, yeah, this is hard, fa- this is hard for me to be. You're on 14-year track. <laughs> That's exactly right. So I took my time. I was pastoring at the time. I loved my pastorate. I didn't want to walk away from my church, yeah. so I, I took my time. But— uh, yeah, five years to get both sounds really intriguing to me. Well, there's always so much that they can learn, especially in a condensed format. And at the same time, with our intentional efforts to give them that firsthand experience in the local church, hopefully it'll kind of blend what we describe sometimes as the library and the laboratory. Well, what they're learning in the classroom is the, labor- is the library, so to speak, but it's blended with the church experience of the laboratory where they can they have a, a place to to put into practice what they're learning in the classroom. And at the same time, what they learn in the church setting, they're able to use as a filter 
uh, in the classroom as they kind of assimilate the, that knowledge within their own framework. Yeah, there's no question, at least in my experience, the some of the best students we have are those who have one one foot in the real world and one foot on our on our campus. And I or, never would have thought of it that way. In fact, when I came here to do my my MDiv and I had a, a bachelor's degree in accounting, so it was unrelated. Um, I told my wife, well, this is God's chance to kind of grow us and, and shape us. We won't be in ministry during the season. Well, within a year later, um, I was on staff at a church, but I wouldn't go back and change it because what mm-hmm. my experience was in walking those dual roads together, they were mutually beneficial for both. Yeah, it's the same reason why I would not go back and change my my uh, multiple Your years. Of, year yeah, exactly. <laughs> decade said, and a half. I said approach. multiple. Thank you, thank you, Doctor Pace. <laughs> because I, I loved my church. There's so much I learned. Uh, they grew me mm-hmm. in those mm-hmm. years, and so it really was a good match for us. Pete, you oversee the day to day working of the of the Timothy Scholars Program. Tell us tell us how it works. How how are we training young men via this program? Yeah, I, th- I think first, as uh, Dr. Pace has sort of mentioned, um, it's an academic program where guys are in the laboratory, so to speak, or the library, rather, so to speak. And uh, I think the classes are great. As I think about my own journey, um, if this program had been around when I came through, I would have done it in a heartbeat. And um, partly because you can get two degrees in five years, that, that would be very attractive uh, to me. But the type of classes that these students take. Um, they're just great cu- classes from Bible classes, New Testament, Old Testament, counseling, leadership, um, preaching. Uh, these classes, I think, just do a great job in helping uh, equip, shape, develop, uh, 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 bring spiritual formation in the life of the students to indeed e- equip them for vocational pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. So I think the courses are are outstanding. And I think it, as I talk to students that have graduated uh, from the program, I hear over and over, hey, those courses I took at Southeastern, man, I'm seeing how they are, mm-hmm. they are applying as I am now serving the Lord in full-time vocational ministry. So I love the classes. I think um, the degree program is, is just outstanding. And then I think the other thing, as Dr. Pace has already said, I feel like I'm maybe just repeating what he said, the, the laboratory is outstanding. When I came through, um, I did the MDiv in four years, and uh, we had one class where you kind mm. of were in the laboratory, so to speak, and it was called supervised ministry. Mm-hmm. And so some of the older pastors that may have come through when I came through, you probably remember a similar class. And I remember, um, and not to say anything negative about the class, I think it was very uh, uh, it, it formed me in so many ways, but I just remember meeting with my mentor maybe once a month, maybe, and uh, we would talk about you know classes and maybe a few things that I was reading and talk about ministry a little bit. But even like the mentor internship piece that our program offers, that's a part of the curriculum that the students will go through. I think is just so valuable. I think what they get in those three mentored internships, uh, the classroom's great. Sometimes the classroom can't teach a student all he needs to know about vocational pastoral ministries. Those mentored internships do a great job in, in teaching what sometimes we we can't teach in the classroom. And so uh, this is what they're getting when they come. And I think it's a, a top-notch education with, with practical experience to really enforce what they have learned in the classroom. 
you know, I took a supervised ministry course two years ago. So it's a single course in right. all of my That's eight right. years. It was my single course. Here's what I remember. I was single. I would run to the hospital to visit church members wearing my gym shoes and sweatpants. <laughs> and my supervised ministry committee said, you you at least need to dress up a little bit. <laughs> so I remember that every time I go to the hospital now. <laughs> Pete, there are other benefits that I think for this for this program for these students. They're they're having breakfast with chapel speakers and so forth. Tell us about some other things that they get to do. Sure. So so uh, that is an integral uh, part of the program. We have what we call roundtable breakfasts, and we have at least four, sometimes five a semester. Um, so anywhere from eight to ten a year. And we will invite normally the chapel speaker. So we, we get the chapel speaker uh, the chapel speaker's list uh, before the semester. We kind of look through the list, pray through the list, see who uh, we want to invite to come. And we extend those speakers an invitation to come and have breakfast with us and then have a dialogue, a conversation with our students uh, around a topic that is under pastoral ministry. So it could be about leadership, preaching, um, you know, how to deal with conflict. It could be uh, any topic that would be relevant to, to pastoral ministry. And that really is a highlight of the program. Uh, students get to come and, and hear a chapel speaker, uh, a leader in our convention, uh, a, a seasoned pastor, and uh, to dialogue with that pastor, to ask questions, to have that pastor pour into mm. them. And we've had some great great um, breakfasts and some great speakers to come. And, and that really is one of the highlights, um, you know, uh, of the program. And then I think another piece would be, and I, and I really enjoy this, this piece because I love guys. Uh, I love discipling guys, and I love discipling guys that feel called to vocational pastoral ministry. So part of what we want to do in our office is the guys that are in the program, we want to we want to be uh, right there beside them. We want to we want to encourage them along the way. We want to um, you know mentor them. And so our office is like an open door, so guys can pop by any time. They don't have to have an appointment. And if we're there, we want to visit with them, encourage them, and just some of the gosh the conversations I've had with guys about whether or not they they should get married now. Um, hey, I'm struggling with this particular area in my life. Um, hey, I have a decision to make. Um, hey, this church has, 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 has issued me a call, and I just need someone to talk with me about whether or not now it's time for me to actually step into this role and whether or not God is actually uh, calling me to this. And just to have these kind of conversations with the students, our office wants to be there to, to mentor them while they're here in the program to encourage them um, as they go through. If if an applicant wants to enroll in the program, do they just sign up? What's what's the process for joining the Timothy Scholars? Great question. So they will apply through our admissions office. So um, just like any student that might apply to any other program, they, they do uh, go through the admissions process. Um, on the application, there's um, a, a place where they can indicate that they are interested and want to apply for the Timothy Scholars Program. And so they'll check that box, so to speak. The admissions office will, will get that application, of course. And then once they um, see that that student wants to uh, enroll into our program, they will send us an email. And they'll give us the student's name and that student's information. And we will reach out to that student. And so part of the admissions process 
is students in our program have to be interviewed by our office. And we, we, we uh, conduct an interview, and what, we're, what we want to um, especially understand, uh, we want to hear about their, their relationship with Christ, how they came to know Christ. We especially want to hear about their call to ministry. Do they have a sense that God is indeed calling them to vocational uh, ministry? Every once in a while, a student may apply, and they're just really interested in uh, two degrees in five years. And that's not a <laughs> sinful motivation per se, uh, but we really like to hear, man, I believe God is calling me to, to vocational ministry, and I believe he's also calling me to be equipped for vocational ministry. And so we talk about calling and, and, and what that looks like and, and how they sense um, God has called them. And then we talk about um, just kind of um, where they see themselves. Um, you know, if they were to be admitted and at the end of the day, in five years, when you walk across that stage, what is your heart's desire? And I think every guy in the program, I, I, I can confidently say this every guy in the program that we have 33 guys in the program right now every one of them have indicated man God has called me to vocational ministry and after I finish this program I want to be a pastor in a local church and so uh, so that's the admissions process so we we, uh, we will interview them and and visit with them and talk with them about their calling and then we we share with them about the program um, what they can expect when they come into the program, how our office is there to support them as they're in the program. And then we'll send the admissions office a little note, an email saying, hey, we met with this student, and we, uh, our office recommends admission to the program. You know, it all sounds great, but it sounds really hard. <laughs> Academically rigorous, challenging. Dr. Pace, Pete, talk to us about what you've experienced with students. What are the challenges they face in finishing this both degrees in five years. Yeah, great question. And in, in one sense, I wanted to almost respond, would you have it any other way? <laughs> Not hard for the sake of being hard, but uh, challenging in a, a way that prepares them for the, the rigors uh, of ministry. Um, it's academically rigorous in a sense, um, and yet it's not overwhelming. We have some pieces that are set up to specifically support them academically. Uh, they do a lot of their advising through our office in conjunction with student success um, and, and some different pieces in place to provide uh, the, the support. Uh, five years is uh, they're able to get, do it in five years, but it's not required that they do it in five years. Mm -hmm. So if they need to extend it to a Dr. Lawless eight-year kind of mode, they could, <laughs> they could or 14 years. I they, knew I they, shouldn't they, have said that, so press they, on. Right? Uh, they could extend it. Uh, it's just that it's able to be done in five years. So students can kind of work at their own pace a little bit uh, as needed. And then, uh, you know, the other thing I would say by way of challenges is they're going to be challenged with um, some of those master's level courses. Uh, we're going to we provide a sequence that helps the on-ramp not be so steep. They kind of come into the program and ramp up to the program uh, in a way in their first year or two that allows them to kind of pace themselves and uh, be introduced to it. But it very quickly at that point uh, into their third year becomes, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in grad school. And for some, that's a 20 as a 20 year old. And so the level of reading, the level of uh, writing uh, is, is a challenge. Uh, but we do believe very strongly that in many ways those things are reflecting the importance of balancing their calendar, mm -hmm. having priorities, um, being able to um, rid their life of extracurricular, not that they don't have fun, but kind of the, 
the good soldier doesn't entangle himself in civilian mm-hmm. affairs mentality uh, to where it says, hey, this is your calling, and we're giving you the best opportunity to prepare for that here because that's going to translate into ministry as they balance things, as they right. prioritize, right. and uh, as they kind of navigate uh, the world around them. So it's meant to mimic that almost intentionally, but not just for the sake of, hey, let's create the most rigorous challenge we can for them uh, just for the sake of making them jump through hoops or you know cut through red tape type of thing. What would you add, Pete? Yeah, I don't know that I would add a whole lot. Um, I do, as I work with students, I think, um, and Dr. Pace touched on this, um, just the balancing of time throughout the program. I've met with tons of guys that um, come by the office and say, hey, I'm just I'm just having trouble balancing my time, and I'm just having trouble you know, keeping up, and I have this paper due and this paper due pretty much at the same time. And, and as Dr. Pace has already mentioned, though, there, there are resources, our office, their student success as well. I mean, um, there's so much here on campus that, that comes alongside of students and, and helps. But I, but I think uh, because some of the students come in at age 18, and again, Dr. Pace alluded to this, you know, by the time they're 20, they're in graduate school. So there's a maturity, mm-hmm. you know, mm. uh, level of some of the students who've come straight out of high school. And, um, and so um, we see some of them maybe struggle through that a little bit as they enter into the program. But again, we try to just surround them with much support and, and help in this regard. The college at Southeastern believes that God is at work in this generation, calling out Christians to leverage their lives for the Great Commission. That's why we train students biblically, theologically, and vocationally in community to give their lives for the cause of Christ. In spring 2024, Southeastern will be hosting its annual GO Conference, designed to train, challenge, and mobilize college students for the Great Commission. Invite your college group to join us on campus on February 9th and 10th Save the date and sign up for next year's conference at thegoconference.com. To our listeners, you know that Caleb has been our our co-host. Caleb actually will graduate from this program in December. Lord willing. Yeah, that's the goal. (laughs) All right, so let's turn to you. You're walking in these shoes. Have you enjoyed the program? Yes, yeah, I have for sure. Good, good, because if you had said no, I'm not sure what we would have done. <laughs> podcast would be over. <laughs> uh, tell, us, tell us what you've enjoyed about it. Yeah, well, uh, Pete was mentioning the roundtable breakfasts, and those have certainly been a highlight of the program. Um, I still remember Robert Smith when he came. It was mm. 2019, mm. and the way that he just knows Scripture, it has just stuck with me ever since. He, um, just in the breakfast, was just quoting Scripture after Scripture, and it was just so impactful for me where I was like, Man, I want to know Scripture like he knows Scripture. Mm. And then I watched him preach in chapel, and he stands on the front step of Binkley, sets his Bible down, and it's just cross-reference after cross-reference, preaching this whole sermon just coming out of him. And I was like, wow, I I want to be a man like that where the Scripture just comes out. And so definitely that's one way that the program has impacted me with getting to spend time with these guys that are, are veterans in ministry, have a lot to share, and it's just a unique opportunity that we get to have that they can pour into us. Um, I would say the second most impactful thing for me has been the the local church experience, honestly. Um, Being at Open Door, um, just really blessed to go through the internship there. And I've learned so much, if not more, being in the internship, serving in my church, 
um, really combining with what I'm learning in the classroom and then the experience of living that out, talking with students. You know, I was serving in the middle school ministry, so they're asking questions, and I'm learning these theological topics, and so I'm having to think through how do I integrate what I'm learning in the classroom to speaking and doing ministry with a sixth grader in my discipleship group right now. And so that's the type of stuff that you just don't get anywhere else, and so super thankful for all of that. An Open Door Church is, is the church you attend yes, sir. here yeah. in, in Raleigh. What's, what's the one that you've learned about ministry outside the classroom through your internship? Yeah, I think, honestly, it's, it's given me such a greater respect for the office of an mm. elder. Um, I think the one thing that's really stuck out, we had to memorize First and Second Timothy going through the internship. And so, really, that was our attendance when we showed up. So it was, it was really intense, uh, practical, helpful. Um, and Pastor Dwayne really impressed on us the call and the weightiness of what this is. And so I think the internship impressed on me to really examine my life of 1 Timothy 3. Does my life match the qualifications in Scripture? And the other thing is it's just really sharpened me and challenged me with different theological questions. Where do I land on different things? How would I interact with these situations and, you know, gray areas that we might find in ministry? And so really uh, the classroom, I think, laid the foundation for a lot of those things where the, the church really was what took those things to the next level and allowed me to really, that get ingrained in my heart and my life and prepare me for ministry. That's good. Pete and, and Dr. Pace, it's, it's a pretty sweet deal when our students say to us they are graduating with a greater respect for mm. the weightiness of the pastor. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. hearing that. By the way, Caleb, Robert Smith was instrumental in my deciding to do PhD work. Really? Mm. He and I were pastoring in Cincinnati at the same time. I had lunch with him, talked about the possibility he convinced me I need to take that step. He gave me a bear hug like only Robert <laughs> Smith can do, and my life has never been the same. So I, I get it, your, your uh, love, respect for, for Dr. Smith. Let's go in a different direction for just a minute. As, as our listeners are, are pastors primarily, for Pete and for Dr. Pace, what would you say to pastors who want to raise up young men in their churches, prepare them, send them out, to reach their neighbors and the mm, nations. Mm. What advice would you give to pastors wanting to get this started or to strengthen what they're already doing? Dr. Bates, let's start with you. Yeah, I would, I would see this as uh, and elevate this as a, a pastoral priority. Um, you know, so many times we, we, we think of it as a luxury when really it's an essential. If we're not replicating, duplicating ourselves um, by investing in other young men who can then deposit the same truths entrusted to them, and to others also, then then we're not fulfilling our responsibility, uh, according to Second Timothy two. In that in that sense, I think practically speaking, uh, you just have to be intentional. I think that starts with actually uh, extending the opportunity, or the we can call it an invitation. I'm not restricting that to a the end of the service type of response time, sure. but by extending the invitation for young men to consider, is God calling you to pastoral ministry? Um, and if so, then. How can I help serve you uh, and and equip you and, and provide for you? I think that's the responsibility pastors have to kind of take within themselves. I would encourage pastors to, as much as we share sometimes our conversion testimony, to share our calling testimony. Mm-hmm. When were you called to ministry? How were you called to ministry? What were the influences? What were the indicators? How did you kind of recognize and discern that calling to where it equips people who may be listening or wrestling with that to kind of know and, and begin to process maybe what God's doing um, in their life, and then providing opportunities for them to serve, not just keeping it within the relational elements of a mentoring capacity, but actually an, an equipping or opportunity, a service opportunity of that relationship by entrusting them with 
uh, you know, chances to serve or teach or preach or go to the hospitals or do those types of things, providing uh, those. And then one last thing I might say is by introducing them to the real side of ministry, I think this has to be um, done deliberately, meaning you don't want to overwhelm them, especially depending on their age or stage of life, but you do want to introduce them to the realities of ministry, what it involves, while at the same time emphasizing the joy of ministry rather than the labor mm-hmm. of it in mm-hmm. the sense of so many times we lament the difficulties of ministry, and I think it paints an unfortunate um, picture of what ministry is like and doesn't necessarily invite people to, as First Timothy 3 says, aspire to the office of overseer. Why would someone want to aspire to something all they ever hear us do is complain about? And so while introducing them to the realities of uh, pastoral ministry, uh, doing it in a way that also emphasizes the joy, honor, privilege, the high, holy, and humble calling that it is mm. uh, to serve as a, as a pastor. Good. Pete? And I would just add um, to that, um, yeah, be intentional just about discipling guys. And if you if you sense some guys in your church have a pastoral gift, I would really uh, seek to invest in those guys. We have a couple guys in our church that I've spent quite a bit of time with. In fact, it's probably been close to 10 years now. Uh, young men, um, guys that the grace of God is clearly upon their life, and we meet uh, we meet regularly. And I'm just trying to pour into these guys. One of them um, feels called a pastoral ministry, and I'm just grateful uh, for God's grace in his life and his desire uh, to serve the Lord in that way. But just being being intentional, as Dr. Pace has said, uh, to 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 look for guys within your congregation who you you see see has maybe a shepherding gift, a pastoral gift. I know for me, my own personal testimony, there were a couple pastors growing up in our little Baptist church in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I was raised, who just took some time to invest in me. Um, I remember uh, we had Sunday school back in these days, and I remember (laughs) for us, our Sunday school, one person uh, after the Sunday school was over, all the church would meet together right before church, and one person every Sunday would review the Sunday school lesson. Mm. And I just remember um, I had an opportunity to kind of give a summary of what the Sunday school lesson was about. And um, looking back on it, when I think about what I said, I don't think it was that impressive, but uh, God, God used it, I think. By his grace, he used it. And I just remember my pastor, my point being, um, saw something uh, in in me, and I just remember him just investing in me, and 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 even challenging me. Hey, have you ever considered mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, pastoral ministry? I could see you being a pastor mm-hmm. one day, and then he spent uh, oh just so much time with me. Yeah, as I was coming up through middle school and high school, and I remember him giving me opportunities, as Dr. Pace has mentioned that in his comments just to serve and to, I remember even preaching a sermon at 16. We had mm. these, thing, thing, these things called youth days, mm-hmm. and I was the youth speaker for that day. And uh, I did Joshua 24, mm. choose you this day who you will serve. Mm-hmm. And again, I look back on that and I, and I go, man, I, uh, it wasn't as good as I thought it was looking back on it. <laughs> but again, God's grace and just the opportunity it, to grow and to learn. And I had a couple pastors like this that just invested in me and gave me opportunities. I, th- I think pastors should do that uh, quite a bit. As you see guys 
who you sense maybe God is calling them. And by the way, I would, uh, in echoing this, uh, some of the statistical studies right now are revealing um, kind of a second generation of pastoral calling, meaning it's kind of a second career and that we wouldn't just limit it to younger men. That's true. Uh, yeah. But that we would open our eyes to see who is God kind of raising up, who is at a different stage of life. Statistics are bearing out. They're seeing more of that. And then even anecdotally, these conversations I've had with different pastors in the area and around our state that are seeing when they share the opportunity or encourage people to consider that God's calling men even in that second stage of life, so to speak. Pete, I was 16 when I preached my first sermon to on a youth Sunday. <laughs> wow. At my pastor's initiation, he came to me, so I love what you said. I, I, I think we've got to watch for those mm-hmm. those young folks in our church that, that have some sense of calling and call them out. Yeah. Even, even pray, Lord, please mm. raise up some out of our church and help me to see them. I think I preached 10 minutes, Pete, and I gave about a 35-minute invitation because <laughs> I was sure everybody would respond to what I had to say, but it, did, it didn't quite work that way. Thank you for joining us today. A reminder to our listeners, it's the Timothy Scholars Program. If you have young men in your church who sense a call to the pastorate, they want to do their undergraduate degree and their MDiv, in five years, Southeastern is, is the place to be. And if you found this conversation helpful, consider leaving us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear any feedback you'd be willing to give. As always, it's our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors. And I hope that we've done that with today's conversation. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.